African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, uh, today we're focusing on the issue of presidential term limits. Not a new topic here in uh, our show, but we want to take the conversation a little bit uh, forward. We know Uganda's opposition is challenging a new amendment to the Constitution to remove the presidential age limits in the country. But we want to take that discussion because we know that with the likes of China not having a term limit and the likes of German Chancellor Angela Merkel being power for over 12 years, the question comes to the forefront where we're asking are term limits an imposition on Africa? Are term limits an imposition only on the African continent? And why is it that there is such a fix and a fascination of term limits on the African continent where in other countries uh, there is not really a global call for term limits? It seems like the focus is specifically on the African continent. Well, to help us discuss this we've got dr samuel oloruntoba who's the senior lecturer of international political economy at the tabombeki african leadership institute and also we've got dr inna Khos joining us once again on our program she's a senior lecturer for governance and political transformation at the university of the free state thank you both for giving us your time right here on channel africa remember we want you to give us your thoughts so go to our twitter handle at channel africa one the numeric one at Channel Africa One or you can go to our at African Dialogue handle. Give us your thoughts on these questions. Are term limits an imposition on Africa and why do you think that is the case? Dr. Samuel Oloruntoba, thank you for giving us your time. I've already kind of set the tone for the conversation today in terms of the contradictions that come forth with the discussion on term limits on the African continent versus the international community. As we start off the conversation, what are your thoughts on this long-going issue on the African continent? Because it does have a context. Dr. Samuel, are you there? Well, I think I've lost Dr. Samuel there. But let me also bring Manjla Kiala, rather, who is the head of uh, programs at Good Governance of Africa. Uh, Thank you for joining us as well, Manjla. Let me come to you, Dr. Inokos, in terms of the context of uh, these presidential limits on the African continent. Why do we seem to emphasize it in African countries specifically when internationally there are different patterns and views when it comes to term limits? Good morning. Yes, I think it depends very much on the history, and you have to go back and and, and look at, as you say, the context of uh, of where these things happen and where these decisions are being made. Um, There's a general fear of stability 
that we see, particularly in countries like Germany at the moment, where they would give a person, you know, up to a 12-year and beyond term, which is not necessarily the norm. We're talking about eight to ten years most of the time. And in terms of, of, of instability, in terms of where people are worried about the economy and socioeconomic issues, they tend to want to keep the person they know, but put a lot of pressure on them. In Africa, which uh, might certainly have to be in a colonial and post-colonial, you know, context, into it, um, which, you know, worked uh, at the time, you know, colonial powers, at a very specific way of doing things, you know, centralizing power very much, and have corrupt institutions, you know, taking care of cronies, and, uh, you know, taking, uh, you know, dubious ways of, 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 of threatening countries mm, mm. um, in instability. In, in, in sure. So, uh, you know, independent powers that now we took over from these colonial powers, you know, they replaced them with, 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 with a particular ethical, oh no, unethical, but elite grouping, okay. which entrenched in the end these corrupt institutions. And everybody who comes in now and wants to change that um, has real difficulty um, mm. with doing that. And I think how many years later African countries still grapple with how to change sure. that situation. Well, let, let me bring it back to the Dr. Samuel. I don't know if you can hear me there. From, from your perspective, Dr. Samuel, do you agree with Dr. Inejo saying that the imposition of uh, presidential limits is because of the structural uh, kind of formations after the independence of most African countries uh, to safeguard themselves from corruption and also kind of institutional uh, entrenchment of, of uh, corrupt states. W- what are your thoughts on that? Um, okay, let me take to this to Manza. Your, your thoughts, Manza, I'm struggling there with Dr. Samuel Oloruntoba, but let's bring it to you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. At GGA, we publish a quarterly bulletin. Uh, it's a magazine called Africa in Fact. And uh, just last year, we published a special issue looking at uh, terms of uh, presidents in Africa. It's a very interesting read, and uh, I'd like to invite your, your, your viewers so. to visit our website at ggga.org, GGA, so. where that publication is. The, the starting point, obviously, you mentioned the contradiction. I mean, if you look, somebody mentioned Germany, uh, Chancellor Merkel, four terms now, uh, before her was Helmut Kohl. He, he had four terms, and he was running for the fifth term when he lost. I mean, if you look at Russia, uh, Putin was in... Hello? Yeah, I'm right here. I think we're struggling with our lines there. I apologize. Just hold on there for me, Dr. Samuel, as we work on those particular lines. But you can continue. I I apologize for that. No problem. You look at Russia. Russia has got a two-term presidential limit. Putin was in there for two terms. He stood down and became prime minister, and he came back to be president. And some people are saying he circumvented the Constitution. Did he? Or did he do it the proper way? If you come back to Africa, uh, mm-hmm. it, it would seem that Af- the African situation is largely related to the liberation movements. 
if you look at uh, the, the, the syndrome of the big man or president for life, so. is the starting point. Mm. And, and the notion is that most African nations tend to put their hopes in the hands of the liberation movement. Mm. These are the people who liberated us. They know us. We trust them with their future. So you end up with a situation like Zimbabwe, where the incumbent feels that it's owed to them because they fought for the liberation. It's owed to them to rule almost forever. Mugabe was there 37 years until the coup, uh, until the army intervened. Mm. If you look at Angola, President Dos Santos was there for 38 years until he chose to live at his pleasure. And then there's a second group of people, or at least leaders, those who fiddle with the constitution. Mm. I mean, you look at um, uh, uh, President uh, Museveni in, in Uganda. Sure. He's now 73. Uganda has a term limit for presidents of 75 years. He's gone about abolishing that term limit because he wants to be president for life. Another type of African leader is the one um, like uh, uh, Joseph Kabila in the DRC. His presidential term, as per constitution, ended in December 2016. And the man is still there as we speak today, and he refuses to step down. And the rationale is that the country is not ready for elections, and it could be ready in December 2018. It won't be a surprise if um, come December 2018, sure. DRC is still not ready for election. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, we'll come back and look at those nuances themselves. But the issue of predictable norms of democratic succession globally, um, the contradictions are many in in that regard. And I want us to look at them and how Africa fits in within those particular contradictions. Let me take a quick break and then I'll come back to you. I think Dr. Samuel Oloruntoba is also back on the line and we also have Dr. Inahos. Let's take a quick break and then we'll continue this interesting debate after this. This is Channel Africa. South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we give you things from an African perspective. Uh, today, we're looking at uh, presidential um, term limits on the African continent, contrasting them uh, to international democratic secessions. And it seems like there's more of a conversation of an imposition of term limits on the African continent, whereby in other international countries, we don't see the same patterns, therefore. And uh, as was highlighted by Mandla they're the head of programs at uh, a Good Governance Africa, was the issue that uh, we've seen patterns of uh, strong men on the African continent for a very long time. And in, in that, we've seen a disruption on good governance in, in that regard. Dr. Samuel Oloruntoba, been wanting to hear your voice for a while now. I hope that you can hear me clearly. Are you there, Dr. Samuel? 
Yes, you are. I'm here. I'm hearing you clearly. Fantastic. Dr. Samuel, what's your thoughts on, on this regard? We've already cemented that uh, uh, from a decolonization aspect, that term limits was something that was uh, aiming to create a form of uh, good governance on the African continent post uh, the uh, colonial dispensations. But we haven't seen that very clearly on the African continent. But the good question now is the fact that when you see countries such as China not having term limits, as I highlighted in the intro, uh, the likes of the Russian president having very long terms in power. We can speak of the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, who's been in power for over 12 years. It seems like uh, the dynamics in those countries are not the same as imposed as on, on the dynamics on the African continent. Why do we see those contradictions? Thank you very much. And um, I find this topic very interesting. Um, let me just start by saying the democratic exper- experiment in Africa um, is, is not rooted in the society. I see it as a contradiction in the sense that we are imposing policies over a state that is not there. You can't have a political environment where the state itself is not independent, where it is not autonomous, where it is an imposition. And that is the structure of the state in Africa. Having said that, I quite agree with your, what I can call hypothesis, that there's a contradiction in, the terms, in terms of time limit democracy in Africa. I argue on this um, in a paper recently, and I did say, to me, it is not the length of the time that you stay in office. It is the deliverable that a leader provides that mm. determines what is expected. So when you have liberal democracy of time limit of four years or eight years, and then we, we more or less reify that as if it's from heaven, we, we, we make a mistake. Mm. And I, I, I do argue, just as you rightly said, that when we talk about success of development today, development stories, we don't look at the West usually, we look at East Asia, I mean mm. the context of a post-colonial state. Sure. And then when you look at Singapore, for instance, you see that the, the, the president there, Lincoln Yu, ruled for more than 30 years before he could transform that country from a, from a third world to a first world, according to the title of his book. So what matters to me is this idea of ensuring that leaders understand the purpose of leadership, that with knowledge, understanding of how the society functions, what are the expectations of the people, what are the resources available, how can we use these resources optimally to satisfy the needs of the, of the majority of the people. This issue of time limit, to me, is an imposition, and many of us will unwittingly bought into that, and then we think it is a holy grail. Well, let me bring that back to you, Dr. Inahos, in terms of what uh, Dr. Samuel is highlighting there. Uh, Dr. Ina saying that it's not really what matters about presidential uh, prowess or power or uh, actually uh, effectiveness. It's not based on the fact that uh, it's how long a person is in power, but also how they're able to deliver in that regard, making a few um, examples with what's happened in, in, in the, in the Northeast uh, uh, in the in the world dynamic, but w- what are your thoughts on what he's highlighting there? 
So I suppose that there's merit in it. And if you can, uh, I'm thinking of Rwanda, for instance, a country which the world is, like Africa is looking at, mm. um, both independence and post, you know, genocide, and how this is a president who brought people together and, and, and put the country on a different path. And at the moment, the term was supposed to be up, he nearly changes the constitution, and he can be elected for a third term. And that's the kind of thing you see in situations like this. The moment you get to a point where you have a person or a political party who brought in a democratic sensation, where peace resides and the rule of law, more or less, um, the threat of that being threatened sure. again, by someone else, another party, another person. Um, who is this sort of thing about? And people who then, in a very simplistic way, that I think about it sometimes, is the idea of power and what power can bring, the untold wealth it can bring, influence, and how this you know, attaches itself to particular people and political parties. And that they immediately start to change institutions to do whatever is necessary to stay in power. We look at elections, for instance. All the changes that are trying to make from grassroots level in Zimbabwe, for instance, um, sure. about the changes that they want to see. The mm. first main thing is mm. the elections. Maybe when you vote as well, ensuring that there are free and fair elections before anything else can happen. Mm. And there seems to be a bit of resistance to that idea from the new government and the new president. And the moment you have such a thing, the changes you want to see in a situation in Africa, in most countries in Africa, won't happen. Because mm. you are talking about vast, intrinsic institutions, you know, mm. the judicial system, the police, the public mm. service, land administration, which in South Africa is at the moment really high on the agenda. The tax, natural resources, having access and control over those things mm. are the most important assets for leaders to keep their power and their influence. And the moment that threatens, the tolerance to opposition goes away. Well, let me bring that to you, Manza. They're very interesting, contrasting uh, views slightly uh, from Dr. Samuel and Dr. Inna there, where Dr. Inna is really talking about state resources, bringing the issue of state resources into the conversation about really when someone is too powerful in the country, it can actually jeopardize the management of those particular issues, state resources, state institutions. They can be compromised due to this unilateral power? I, I, would, I would agree with that point. In the publication I referred to earlier, <clears throat> Africa in fact, we actually do a chapter on statistical study of Africa, the effect of heads of states, time in power on the country's well-being. This is data analysis. We plotted all the countries in Africa and all the long-serving heads of state. And the analysis indicates that the longer the head of state rules, the more they seem to be involved in personal corruption, and the more there are negative consequences for their country. And from that analysis, this is pure data, from that analysis, it emerges that after eight years in power, and then you begin to see higher levels of corruption, and you see more extensive their powers become, and they seek to entrench themselves against any opposition. And this has long-term negative effects for the countries involved. So clearly, 
two terms of four years, according to our analysis here, would be ideal in terms of Africa's experience since liberation. And how do you contest with Dr. Samuel's view, saying that it's not really about how many years you're in power, as you suggest, Manjla, but it's really about the deliverables. And we've seen governments that have been longer than two terms actually delivering uh, in terms of economic uh, gain, making economic gains in their own countries, maybe not democratic, but definitely economic. That, that could well be the case in the odd instance, but the data we have here, uh, which is available, has shows that after the second term, especially after eight years, that's where you see you start seeing the levels of corruption creeping in as people seek to entrench themselves against opposition. Dr. Samuel, how would you contest with that idea? It seems to mystify what you're saying. Yeah, well... Um I'm quite um, glad about this uh, debate and to say that, yes, the data might have justified what the colleague said, but empirically too, you also find people, let me use Nigeria, my country, as an example. The former president ruled for just six years, and then there was this whole allegation and proven cases of corruption against his administration. I'm talking about good luck. Good Lord Jonathan, Jonathan just sure. six years. He, I mean, he became acting president in 2010, won election in 2011, and then he left in 2015. But just that one, I mean, one time itself didn't say that there won't be corruption, didn't say there won't be a failure of governance. So I think the bottom line is, is institution, and which is what Obama said in 2009 when he visited Ghana, that we don't need strong members, strong institutions. But so if the institutions are there, people are accountable to the institution, nobody is above the law, regardless of your time in office, you will know that whatever you do, you will be held accountable. Then that sense of listening will be there. My case for a long time, precisely, is because of the need to be able to, to wage various centripetal and centrifugal forces in the society together and to understand that governance is not a tea party. Governance requires serious-mindedness. What we see in this uh, first time, second time, is after the first four years, in the next two years, no more governance. It's it's politicking. Now Buhari in Nigeria has declared that he's running for second time. Now from from now till next year, you will see that there won't be governance. It's just political sloganeering and campaigning Mm -hmm. everywhere. So what we are saying is that we need to develop strong institutions and we need leaders who understand what is leadership, which to me is lacking in Africa. There's no mentality of leadership. People just take political appointment as opportunity okay. for self-accumulation. All right? I get where you're taking the discussion. We'll come back to that, uh, uh, the, the quantitativeness. How do you quantify this idea of leadership? Uh, that's a very interesting topic in itself because that's also relative to which side of uh, the spectrum you sit in in terms of what kind of uh, ideals stick out for you when it comes to an individual of leadership. But we'll come back to those notions after this quick break. It's 11.30 Central African time. Remember, 
remember, go to our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One as we're asking the same question to you. And it's very interesting the dynamics that are coming out from our guests on the line. A term limit is it an imposition on Africa? And we're talking about presidential limits uh, in themselves. Are uh, presidential term limits an imposition on the African continent? At Channel Africa, interact with us there and give us your thoughts. Let's take a quick one and then we'll come back and continue this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. I'll be with you until uh, midday Central African time. And if you already know the program from Monday to Thursday, we look at the big uh, conversations on the African continent. And today we're looking at a broad conversation that is very continental. And uh, because we know that uh, the issue of presidential limits has been a conversation that has been long going and is still brewing even to today, especially with what we've been talking about with uh, Yoweri Museveni wanting longer terms and we've been talking about also the contradiction of that with China removing term limits and not considering term limits anymore and the long-standing presidential terms when you see the likes of Angela Merkel, uh, Vladimir Putin, it seems like uh, the also the shifts of views when it comes to term limits are actually moving and changing over time and I just wanted to come back to you Dr. Samuel in what you you are highlighting there in terms of defining leadership from a political position and we know that we have kind of a tradition not just in South Africa but on the African continent of appointing people f- because of their political uh, affiliation historically in the decolonization project we know that's how appointees happen but with that being said, isn't that the measuring stick for a good leader? And contrasting that, in contemporary Africa, we don't have any other notion that we can pick from to actually cement the idea of political leadership in that regard. Indeed. You know, the struggle for liberation, I mean, in different parts of the continent, well-fought struggle, deserving struggle, I mean, very painful sacrifices were made. But the mistake we always made is that we think that governance is equivalent to liberation struggle. No, it is not. And that's the mistake we always make by picking leaders among the liberation struggle. I think it's a kind of entitlement that because I I fought against the colonialists, automatically I must be a president. It does not necessarily have to be. What we need, we need grooming of leadership, with skill for leadership, which is what we do at Tabumbeke African Leadership Institute, to groom leaders that understand the essence of leadership, transformational leadership, leadership with knowledge, leadership with confidence, leadership with imagination, leadership with sense of discipline, that I'm not here to steal, I'm not here to amass wealth for myself, which is what we see that is lacking in, in most countries on this continent. 
So hmm. we need a, a new leadership paradigm to, you know, to take us to where we're supposed to be. Because we live in a world that is unequal. We live in a world that we want to be dictated to. I mean, they want to dictate to us that part of the civilizing mission mm. is that you cannot govern yourself. We need to tell you this is how to practice it. Mm. But this same Africa had history of building powerful political kingdoms without mm. external interference. So we need to look back at our indigenous system of governance. I mean, so many Africans are so sophisticated mm. when you talk about indigenous system because they don't have knowledge of history. Mm. They attack you. They say you are going back, you are going to the back, I mean to the past. But we, to me, if we want to solve the governance challenges in Africa, we need to think back into antiquity. Mm. How did we do that? How did we build powerful kingdom? How did we hold our leaders in check? How did they, how did they rule, I mean, in ways that ensure that I mean, the, the living standards sure. of people were, were improved. Okay, L- let me bring that to you, Dr. Inahos. Um, uh, Dr. Samuel, talking about the fact that we need to move to a new paradigm shift when it comes to leadership. Isn't that the case more than the issue of term limits? The leadership itself on the African continent rather than how long someone will can become a leader? Oh, absolutely. It's the most important point, I think. You know, people um, have come to you know, bring down the debate to basically two points when it comes to these things. It's, it's one, leadership. And secondly, um, public uh, political party financing. And many think if you can fix those two things and make that transparent and be in good leadership, you yeah. fix most of the things happening in, in Africa. The point is, again, history. When uh, you think about who took over after independence, independent leaders and struggle families, etc control of, of governments in that uh, you know, situation. And then cadres from grassroots were appointed in particular positions. Well, people without formal training, professional experiences were appointed in these you know, uh, important positions. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a situation where it's a right environment for corruption to, to flourish when, when that happens. And getting to a point where you can have and uh, experienced leadership mm. coming to these political parties and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, institutions can cultivate those. Mm. The thing is tolerance. If the same is not allowed, um, leadership like that cannot come through. Mm. It's not allowed to come through and unless it breaks through into a very particular uh, through a very particular situation. Sure, and it, so it's difficult for such leaders to to show themselves and for people to see them, and 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 often it's dangerous to even support them. Yeah. You know, it's it's very much of a different, uh, or very rather not different, but difficult. Um, you know, balancing act to make, Manda, because. It also because of how the, the election process takes place, campaigning is very populist and, you know, you need a certain kind of political history also to align yourself to a constituency and, and, and so to re- remove ourselves from historical paradigms to creating a new contemporary one, it's, it's going to be very difficult. So what are your thoughts, Amanda, where we are right now with this conversation? I think uh, the problem again is the departure point. We, yeah. seem, we seem to be deferring to the leadership. Yeah. We're expecting them to do the right thing. What if they don't? 
and look at Africa. Sure, how sure. many how many shining examples of democracy are there in Africa? So which tells you one thing that we're missing the other element of democracy, which is active citizenry so. and robust civil society structures so. to hold those leaders to account. You look at South Africa as the most recent example. President Zuma is in court now facing corruption charges. It was not a change of heart by the ruling party. It was civil society structures which, pressure. which pursued him mm. until he ran out of road. So. so that's what's missing on the continent. Um, that deference to liberation movements balanced by active, active citizenry and robust civil society structures. I agree with that uh, because the complementary of that would mean that uh, then if we have strong civil society, uh, civil action, civil participation, it would mean that then we can also decide on issues on term limits from a citizenry-centric um, viewpoint, don't you think, Manza? It also means that nobody will change uh, constitution willy-nilly, as, sure, as exactly. in the examples that we've mentioned before. Yes, yes. Um, Dr. Inan, I, I heard that you wanted to interject there. You can give me your thoughts. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, certainly to act citizenry and to, uh, to have an, um, a uh, politically educated, uh, you know, voting public sure. who who understands the systems, who understands our laws, who understands how you know how this works. And you get to a point where, you, where the more educated the voting public is, you will get a more active citizenry. Africa was lucky, you know. We have had a president with, together with particular, you know, families who absolutely in the past eight years went down that road to changing public institutions, mm. appointing people to keep him in power to protect him. And I think the change happened just in time because of active citizens, you know, civil society organisations who stepped in, mm. where our national party teaching authority did not. And, and such. Mm. And I think they had a major role to play in the changes we've seen in the past. Dr. Samuel, sure. Dr. Samuel, let me bring to you do, do, both Dr. Ena and Manja stating the issue. The Balancing Act is basically coming back to people-centric uh, governance, and uh, that's how the Balancing Act would actually be mediated upon when you do have a robust um, uh, strategy from civil society and institutions that support their views and support their own political participation or governance participation. Absolutely. I agree. Even though I'm not hearing the other speaker very well, sure. but I agree so much about the need for active citizens. I remember um, Duncan Green from Poverty to Power, how active citizen and effective state can bring about development, the Osfam uh, executive director. We need active citizens. But you see, and that's why I praised South Africa. I mean, I was giving a lecture in Northwestern two years ago, and we were comparing democracy in, in South Africa with, with some other part of Africa. South Africa is, I mean, way ahead in, in active citizenship. But of course, you cannot divorce that from the level of economic uh, development. Because sure. what I find that about most uh, leaders in Africa is deliberate attempt to keep the citizen in poverty, in the chains of poverty, mm -hmm. such that when they go to campaign, 
the little money they give them, the little food they provide for them, is enough to buy the vote. The monetization of the political processes sure. in Africa is a big challenge. But, I mean, in agreeing with what they've said, we need active citizens, robust civil society, who hold leaders accountable. Who, I mean, institutions, the judiciary, that I'm aware, I always tell my students, I mean, aware in, in, in China, when you are appointed as a minister, they take you to prison. I don't know whether it's, it's a fact or it's a need to go and look at the former minister who are already serving prison terms. <laughs> so that's what we need to do in Africa, not to think that somebody is above the law. So the Balancing Act now, as, as we wrap it up, just in 30, 30 seconds, Dr. Samuel, before I wrap it up with Dr. Ina and Mandla uh, Keala there, in terms of uh, long, uh, do we have uh, long presidential terms? Does that matter? Does it not matter? Um, let's just try to sum it up in, in some way. Well, I remember, I remember my point that when you have a leader who is visionary, who has a long-term development agenda, we should allow such person to finish what he or she has started to do. Of course, we can say that it's not only one person that can develop a country. But what we are saying is that from the experience we've seen in Africa, whether you rule for four years or eight years or 15 years, the result has more or less mm-hmm. been the same. So we need a new leadership paradigm. We need to have strong institutions that people should be held accountable. So here I stop. Dr. Manzakiala, you have a different view there. Well, I think the way forward for the continent is fixed terms, a bulletproof constitution, robust civil society, independent judiciary, and then we're on the way to development. Dr. Ina, your final sentiments? Oh, I could not add anything more. If we have those things in place, Mm. and we can keep them in place, Particularly from the side of, of, of civil society, so we, we must have no tolerance mm-hmm. for, for any dissent from those. Then, then the, the continent has a fighting chance. Mm. Well, that's where we're going to let it go, Dr. Samuel Olorontor, by having his own unique viewpoint, saying that it's really dependent on leadership. You have good leadership, then you can have a, a person that has a long-term vision for a country. Definitely, they can stay in power. Mandla Kiala of the uh, Good Governance Africa, saying something completely different uh, to uh, one of the heads at the Tabumbek African Leadership Institute, saying fixed terms are the way to go and good uh, um, institutional uh, governance. Governance is very important. Dr. Inahosa backing up the claims there and sentiments made by uh, Mandla. Thank you all for giving us your thoughts. Uh, it is, has been a very interesting debate to have with the three of you. Thank you for joining us here on our program.